The text for the sermon this afternoon is the Word of God as we confess that in Lord's Day 38 of the Heidelberg Catechism about the Fourth Commandment, Lord's Day 38 of the Catechism, page 550 in the Book of Praise. And there we confess from Holy Scripture the following. What does God require in the fourth commandment? First, that the ministry of the gospel and the schools be maintained, and that, especially on the day of rest, I diligently attend the church of God to hear God's word, to use the sacraments, to call publicly upon the Lord, and to give Christian offerings for the poor. Second, that all the days of my life I rest from my evil works. Let the Lord work in me through his Holy Spirit and so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. So far, our confession. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, Boys and girls, too, who belong to him. You belong to the Lord. For who is the day of rest, actually? Note the Lord Jesus' answer to that question in Mark 2, 27. He says there, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the day is for man. The Sabbath, the day of rest is for man. So is, you'd wonder then, is the Sabbath open for man to do whatever he wants then? That would end all the discussions about, you know, what should we and what shouldn't we allow on the day of rest, right? Everybody does what he or she wants because the Sabbath was made for them. That approach has some problems with it though, right? There would be little church attendance on that day, I'm afraid. Look what happens when people do whatever they wish to on the, on the Sabbath day. When they make it their own day, and they go to the beach, work around the house, go shopping maybe. Church pews emptier and emptier, sports stadiums filled to the brim. I just heard on the radio that United Church of Canada closes one church a week in this country because they can't fill the pews. Sadly, that's what happens when man considers that the Sabbath was made for him. Did Jesus then go too far when he, when he said to the Pharisees that the Sabbath was made for man? not man, to fit in the Sabbath. No congregation, the Lord Jesus did not go too far because notice he said something else right after he said those words in Mark 2. He also said, therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. And that means he is the representative of man. 
He is the Lord of the Sabbath. He decides the program for that day. So yes, the day of rest was made for man for his benefit, but we leave it up to the Lord Jesus to know what's good for man on that day. The day of rest is in good hands with the Son of Man. It's His day. Let's listen to the gospel of the day of rest this afternoon. And the theme of the, ser the sermon on this Lord's Day is the triune God gives us a day of rest. We see three things. The Father instituted it, the Son redeemed it, and the Spirit works it out. First of all, the, the Father instituted that day of rest. You realize that the day of rest in the Old Testament was the seventh day, whereas we rest on the first day of the week. And Lord's Day 38 doesn't go into any detail, doesn't mention that, that change at all, just accepts that the fourth commandment applies to our New Testament day of rest. And the matter of rest is important. That's the reason why God set aside the Sabbath day in the first place, as he states in the fourth commandment when he first gave the law, Exodus 24, in six days he made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested the seventh day. Therefore, he blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it, made it holy, set it apart. So that day of rest is connected to God's creation in the beginning. He instituted it at creation. It, we could say that it's a creation ordinance right from the beginning of the universe, this world. He built a day of rest into his whole work of creation. We don't read anywhere in the Old Testament that Adam and Eve or Abraham or Jacob rested on the seventh day. We actually, the, the Sabbath day isn't mentioned again until the Israelites have left Egypt. We can assume that they knew about it, though, because before God gave the law to Israel at Horeb, when they were traveling towards Horeb yet, he gave them manna from heaven, and he told them in Exodus 16 that there would be no manna for them to gather on the Sabbath day because that is a day of rest. So they certainly knew about that rhythm of six days of labor and one day of rest whether they kept it before that time or not. In any case, God instituted that day of rest in the beginning, we can say, as we read in Genesis 2. It says there in, in Genesis 2, verses 2 and 3, And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because he, in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Notice the word then there. Then God blessed that day and sanctified it, set it apart. 
That's when he established that rhythm of working six days, resting in one. And that rhythm has remained. We continue with seven-day weeks today and every week a day of rest. And that's what's emphasized in Lord's Day 38. Day of rest is a natural rhythm that has to remain in place until the eternal rest. Man has to rest, otherwise he's not going to be able to keep up the work he has to do. If people make that day into just another day of work, as so many uh, want to do today, then in due time, God gives them over to their work. It's a curse on him, his curse on them. That extra day of work isn't going to help them at all. They're still not going to get done. They'll only become more and more restless and un unable to relax from all their, their labor. God will give them over to themselves so that they work themselves to death into the ground. They won't be able to accomplish in seven days what he said his people could accomplish in six. No congregation, we're given a day of rest because God took a day of rest too for himself after he had created everything and made it good. Does that mean that God was tired after those six days of creation, that he needed time to wipe the sweat from his brow and catch his breath by taking a day off? Did God need to do that? That's, of course, a human way of thinking, right? After a week of hard work, our bodies get tired and we look forward to a day we can relax and rest. But God is the Almighty One. He doesn't suffer from fatigue or need to take a nap. In fact, He assures us that He doesn't. Psalm 121, He, does not, he doesn't fall asleep at any time. No, God's resting at the beginning already signifies that his work of creation was done, finished. He, as it were, puts down everything, his hands, and he stands back and he looks over the completed work of creation, all he has accomplished. So the day of rest wasn't a day off for God when he didn't have to do anything at all anymore either. Because also on that day, he had to he had to uphold and sustain creation. He continued to give Adam and Eve life and breath, continued to let the sun shine and the plants grow, keep the universe in place, all the stars and planets. But he had, he had completed his work of creation. Everything was made. And then he saw that it was good. He took delight in all that he had made. The whole of finished creation was there to his satisfaction. It glorified him, showed him. So what did God do? He celebrated what he had made. And that's what his rest was about on the seventh day, delighted in his finished work, like an artist who stands back, you know, and he, he takes pleasure in his artwork. He looks at it, when it's complete and he admires that, that's what, that's what I wanted it to be. And so God admired his creation and he said, it's a Sabbath. This is a day to celebrate my work. Think about that each day of rest, congregation.
It's a day to celebrate God's wisdom and power and love. For us, the day of rest is a day set aside in particular to honor the creator of everything too. On, on that day of rest, we come to God, we focus on him, on his works, we worship him, publicly call upon him, says in Lord's Day 38. That's what the Lord seeks on his day, our worship and our praise. So yes, the day of rest is made for man, but then for man to worship and honor his God, to celebrate his mighty works. And that's why you need to get out of bed and out of your easy chair on this day and diligently attend his church where he meets with his people to receive their worship. Diligently, it says in the Catechism, faithfully, morning and afternoon, if at all possible, God gave a whole day of rest, not just a, a morning of rest or an afternoon of rest. No, he set this day aside as a holy day. Set it aside for us to be able to take the time to focus on him and hear him, enjoy him, be proud of him, rejoice in him and all his works. And now you might still think, well, it sounds all very nice and well. Why do I need to diligently attend his church to rest like that? Can't I celebrate him too if I take out a walk out in nature and see all the things that he's made? Why can't I do that in the afternoon instead of sitting here in church between these four walls here now? Well, because God has something to say to me here. He speaks to me, and he speaks to me personally through his word. This is his, his word to us. Through the proclamation of his word, he speaks to us through the, the call to faith and repentance when his word is opened. If I want to experience God and truly enjoy him, then I need to hear him first. Then I need to hear him explain what he has done. How else would I know that he has created and still upholds everything I see out there? How else do I know that he's the one who gives me life and breath? Who also gives new life when a child is born? That's him. How else do I know that he's the one who makes the flowers and the crops grow? How else would I know that he has a goal with it all? How else do I know that he has a purpose with my life? You won't find that by walking out in nature. I hear about those things and I'm assured about those things when I meet with him in church and listen to the opening of his word. And that's because that's what everything centers around in the worship service. The word is central. Congregation and worshiping together on the day of rest, we take the time not to be distracted by other things, but to focus on God, our almighty God and creator, on his works and on his relationship with us. We live in a world which is so rushed today that it doesn't even know where it comes from or where it's going. So many things in this world clamor for our attention. God 
gives us a day of rest from all of that and gives us direction here. He gives us a, he provides a place to rest from all the distractions in this world, to think about him, become impressed by his deeds, show honor to him and thankfulness. And if you have a living relationship with him, congregation, you know that your place is not on the trail or in the stadium or on the green on, on a Sunday, but here in church where God wants to meet with you, where he wants to show himself to you, where you can delight in him without distraction. Your God seeks you out. He set aside this whole day for you, just for you to meet with him and enjoy him without pressure or stress. You have a date with him every Sunday. And if you love him, you want to keep that date, right? And it's so good for you to be with him among others who love him too. So God instituted this day, day of rest. And then we come to the second point. God the Son redeemed the day of rest. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, we have to rest, right? Everybody needs rest. But also that kind of rest to celebrate God. But sin has disturbed that rest that God wanted in the beginning for man. After the fall, people became restless, anxious, because of sin in their hearts and in this world. We notice that especially in today's world too, we're rushed through life, so busy, so busy. And not just physically, mentally. The wheels are turning all the time too. So many opinions and voices and impressions also through all the media we have today and you see then how the curse because of the fall has affected this world the glory of God's good creation has faded because of sin in, in nature itself thorns and thistles pollution of the air and the ground creation doesn't have time to rest but is being despoiled in so many ways and then people, after the fall, people have a hard time finding rest too and peace. Anxious about health. Nowadays, how they're going to leave this life. Hey, people worry about how will I leave this life? Which is why the euthanasia debate and the assisted suicide, dissatisfied, discontented so that they don't see God's majesty and goodness anymore. And then a lot of people try to medicate themselves into happiness with alcohol or with drugs. No wonder the push today to legalize a drug like marijuana, escape reality, and get some artificial happiness. God's good creation has ended up getting stuck on all sides after the fall. God's glory in life here is obscured by the smog of death and decay. How can you praise God when you stand at the graveside of one of your loved ones? How can you praise God for a new day if you know this is going to be another day filled with pain and suffering? Is it still possible to rest and, and enjoy God and glory in his deeds then? Wouldn't it sometimes be better to try to hide from, from God like Adam and Eve did right after their fall? 
Rest, enjoying life, glorying in God. How can God expect that of us in this world today? Well, he can expect that because he, he did something else too other than creation. He also sent his son into this fallen and broken world to breathe the atmosphere, atmosphere of this broken world. And then his son came into our flesh to fulfill also this commandment, the fourth. He kept the Sabbath day faithfully. Read that. As was his, his custom, he was in the, the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He kept that day faithfully even to the last one when he was here on earth, when his body rested in the grave. It was a day of rest. He came, he came not to do away with the law, you see, but to fulfill it, to obey it perfectly, to show us its full meaning, the depth of meaning. And on the first day of the week, on Easter morning, he rose from the dead. And on that day, he overcame death and decay, overcame it all, all of sin and its effects for us. He fully bore the curse for sin and believe in him. And you can rest again. You can rest because you're free, free of the slavery to sin and death. And you can approach God with a free conscience and the way to God and enjoying him even forever is open for you in Christ. He redeemed the day. And then it's no wonder that, that then Sunday, the day of Christ's resurrection, the day of his victory, became the day of rest for the New Testament church already. We see the New Testament church gathering together on that first day of the week, for instance, on Pentecost Sunday, Acts 2. We read it this morning. They were there together on that Sunday. And then later on, we read too, from time to time, they're together on this Sunday. You read, for instance, in Acts 20, how the congregation of Troas came together for worship on the first day of the week. And Paul preached there. The Apostle John even calls the first day of the week the Lord's Day, Revelation 1. On the Lord's Day, he was in the Spirit. And then the Sunday, you realize, became the day of rest for Christians. The day to celebrate God's glorious deeds. And then in particular, also especially, his deeds of salvation in Jesus Christ, his Son. And then we can say that's how Christ redeemed the day of rest, we could say. So we can rest. It didn't become the officially accepted day of rest politically until 300 years later. We know that the first Christians had to worship early in the morning and, and uh, late at night and had to work on that on, on Sundays. So they worshiped, they had to worship around their work. The whole of society in the Roman Empire had to, had to be adjusted to that change. And that came 
when Emperor Constantine became Christian and decreed in the year 321 that from then on, in the empire, Sunday would officially become the day of rest. But for the early Christians, it was already the day they rested in the Lord and worshipped and, and praised him. The thing is, congregation, in Christ, we can rest again. In Christ, we can come to God in this broken world and we can delight in God's work again. We can glory in his great love. Because of Christ, this life is hopeful, is enjoyable again. Even though it's still so broken and rickety because of sin. In Christ, though, we can see the light shining in the darkness that has come over the world. We can truly laugh again, even through tears. For Sunday is the day of deliverance, deliverance from the slavery of sin and death. God is our God again in Christ, and we have a whole future ahead of us with him. And then we can rest in all our toil and trouble here. Rest in Christ. So remember the day of rest. Remember the day of rest. Don't become a slave of your work or your sinful desires. Don't let anything come between you and the Lord and disturb the rest you have in him. He paid for this day of rest with his precious blood. So be careful to keep this day holy out of love and reverence for him. He paid for it and gave it to you. Let this day, too, set the tone for your whole life with God in Christ. And that brings us to the last part of the sermon this afternoon. The Holy Spirit works this day out. Notice, congregation, what it says in the second part of answer, um, answer 103. Second that all the days of my life I rest from my evil works. Let the Lord work in me through his Holy Spirit and so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. Do, do all the other days of our lives belong in this commandment? Because isn't this commandment just about that one day of the week, that day of rest? No, congregation, this, this, the day of rest has everything to do with all the other days of the week from Monday to Saturday. In the Old Testament, the day of rest came at the end of a week of toil and trouble. But in the New Testament, we can start the week with resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And Christ lets us share in his work in the rest from sin and death and vanity at the beginning of the week. And he sent his spirit on his church on the first day of the week, as we remember today, in order to share in his rest. Whoever wants to share in Christ's rest belongs in the church and in worship on the day of rest. Do you want to rest from your sins? Then the eyes of your heart have to be opened by the proclamation of the gospel on the day of rest. Do you want to know and share in Christ's love in Christ? In God's love in Christ? then your place here in the pew has to be occupied on Sunday if you want to share in, in that love of Christ. 
Do you want to grow in your faith and assurance of faith? You need to be here. Christ poured his spirit out on his church and his spirit works in hearts and lives through the proclamation of the gospel and through the sacraments. By those means, he brings and works out the rest of Jesus Christ into our lives, into our whole lives. And you realize, therefore, that each Sunday shouldn't become a day that's completely separate from the other days of the week for us, a kind of separate island in the river of our lives. No, the Sunday is meant for us, is intended to set its stamp on the rest of the days of the week, too. Sundays are meant to set the tone for the whole week and for all the days of our lives. We meet with the Lord here today so that the Spirit can work out what we hear and do here on Sundays so we can work it out in our lives all the other days of the week. If Sundays become totally separate from the rest of the week, if we're just Sunday Christians, we're in deep trouble. Eventually, then, I can tell you, Sunday will be taken over by those other days of the week. If you never or hardly ever crack open your Bible during the rest of the week, eventually the Bible is going to get, become strange to you on Sundays too. No, brothers and sisters, young people too, the Sunday wants to take over those other days of the week in the sense that what we hear and do here today, that it more and more finds its way in practice in all the other days of the week and all the days of our lives. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to work in us. He weaves the Sunday and all the other days of the week. From out of the worship services, He encourages you in your fight against sin. He stimulates you to open your Bible during the week for you in your devotions and to personal prayer. Even to hum or sing a psalm sometimes. You ever do that? He teaches you to see and fight against your remaining sins. And he fills the spaces left by those evil works. When they're chucked out, he fills the spaces with good things. Deeds of mercy, for instance. And he instills in you the ability to rejoice in God's love and care. And then you meet the Lord every day. You know when you open the curtains in the morning and you sit down for breakfast and you set out for your work or to school and you arrive safely? The Spirit opens your eyes so that you see the Lord's goodness and mercy in those things. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Then you can live with the Lord every day. But it has to start here. And if it does start here in your hearts, then it can go to the rest of the days of your life too. And the Holy Spirit is the one who works that out in us. And so we can begin in this life already the eternal Sabbath that says in our Lord's day along with from Scripture, in other words, 
then we taste something of what's in store for us when our Savior is going to come again in glory and to present us whole to his Father. We taste something of that. But, again, we need to, as Lord's Day 38 says, let the Lord work in me through his Holy Spirit. Let the Lord work in me through his Holy Spirit. Let him do his work of uniting us with the Lord and giving us rest in him by being here in worship every day of rest together. And then, then he'll make you excited about living for God and eager about that eternal rest when we can worship our gracious God perfectly forever. Amen. Let us pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for giving us the fourth commandment. Instituted, you instituted it in the beginning. And yes, after the fall, that rest was disturbed and the world became filled with restlessness and death and decay. But we praise you that your son redeemed this day. He rose victorious in order to give us rest again in you. And Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit may work that out in our lives too, that rest that we have received in Christ. That we rest from our evil works and that we rest in you and so begin now already the eternal rest in our hearts. Father, hear us, bless us. With that, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.